My name is Jenny, and I'm a wife and mom raising two kids. But I used to live a more glamorous life as a TV reporter. I was on the nightly news interviewing pop stars and politicians. So when I said goodbye to TV and hello to motherhood, I suddenly discovered what we moms are up against. We live in a world that tells us to be rich and famous, thin and successful. You know, almost nobody says, oh, hey, you're a mom? That is fabulous. But you are fabulous, and I'm here to tell you why. It's Channel Mom with Jenny Dean Schmidt. We're here for you. Welcome to Channel Mom. We are glad to have you. Uh, BFF in the house, Shelly Krause. Hey, Shell. Thank you. Yes, glad to be here. I love our story today. I do, too. It was, it was great yesterday, and it'll be great today. I do hope that you have tuned in for a reason today. You know that we love moms. We know that we love what you do as mothers, uh, that truly our world would be, uh, it already is, in trouble. But it would be even more in trouble if mothers were not trying to do their jobs well and raise that next generation because uh, that plays into the future of our world as moms raise their children, and really God's children, uh, to, to take care of what's ahead and what lies ahead. And so... Mom? It's your legacy. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, our, it's, it's, it's for our entire world. And people yes. forget that. I mean, they meet you at a party and they say, you go, girl, with your $600,000 a year salary. But they didn't, do not say, you go, girl, raising the next generation to make our world a better place. It's the only thing that matters. <laughs> you know? As a mom. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I was in TV, literally, and, and, and believe me, I have no pride about this now, but I would walk into a room and if somebody found out I was on Channel 4 or whatever station I was on at the time, th- you could hear a pin drop. And they, <gasps> She, excuse me for spitting. The, the radio audience couldn't see that. Um, they would say, oh, my gosh, she's on TV. I think I've seen her. And there'd be all this. And then you could hear a pin drop. And suddenly everything I said was important. When I walked into a party when I became, quote, unquote, just a mom and was no longer working in television, no pin dropping when people found out I was a mom. You know what I mean? And so yet we should be honoring that and, and encouraging that and sh- putting on a big old cheerleader outfit and cheerleading that, you know. Okay, don't get me started because I'll just go off for a while. I'm going to write some blogs about this because I, was, I worry so much about the irrelevant mother. And I'm at a new stage now where I worry about moms feeling irrelevant in those older years because, frankly, that's how I feel sometimes when my kids are 11 and 15 and you begin to feel like, yeah, they, they don't really, they don't say, I love you, mommy, when they go to bed. You know, it's, you just feel more and more irrelevant. And as an aging woman, you feel more and more irrelevant in society. I mean, it's a tough place to be. But it's not all tough. I have some encouraging words. I'm going to write a blog on it, hopefully coming up this week. Um, I want to tell you one other thing, and then we're going to get to our friends. It's Stu and Trish Fuhlendorf. They were on this show yesterday. They have an incredible story about addiction, about, frankly, let's be honest, because a lot of people suffer from this, overeating, about workaholism, about a struggling marriage, about one person loving Jesus and one having no interest in God at all, about a, a man who was extremely successful, the husband in this case, uh, and she was successful as well, making a ton of money, building a castle for themselves, ri- driving Jaguars, and yet they were completely unhappy and things were falling apart. There's this amazing story of redemption. I hope you're going to stick around to hear more because I think it could be a help to a lot of people out there they're struggling with issues that we just talked about. Uh, the last thing I want to say is that uh, we did have uh, Michelle Ducker's daughter. And if you don't know who the Duggars are, 19 kids and counting. They have 19 children. They have a little cute show on TLC. We were giving away her book, and not all of them got taken. 
So I just want to remind you, if you were on Facebook and you went after that book, we did announce winners there and not everybody's answered that. So go to facebook.com backslash channel mom and find out if you won. If not, we'll be giving them away on the show. So stay tuned for that. Okay. I want to welcome back Stu and Trish uh, Fuhlendorf, who have an incredible story. Stu, for years, was a very successful CEO of um, some very profitable companies. He had a major... Uh, life crisis when he became a true alcoholic and uh, was overeating and was on antidepressants and was overweight and his marriage was falling apart and he was never at home Um, but his wife stuck around and part of the reason she stuck around is that she fell into faith and she is now a regional manager at K-Love and Air One here in Colorado Uh, and their story is a redemption story but it's got some tough spots that I think you're going to identify with uh, that God can really work all things together for good even when you think something looks so bad that he can't do it with your life. Uh, so we're going to welcome them back. I want to encourage Shelly to back up the camera because I forgot to switch them and I want to make sure that we get Trish in the shot if she's talking today. Um, so welcome back to Channel Mom, you two. Thank you. Are you glad to be here? Thank you. Glad just to be tired? here. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Beautiful okay, day. Good. Okay. Jorge, my friend, thank you for doing what you do so well. So glad to have you. He only ever nods. He has this very wonderful Latin accent, but he's shy about using it on the radio. So he will not respond to me. He'll just nod. That's what he does. Okay. So we're going to get back into your story. I want to review for people very briefly yesterday that Stu told his story of becoming extremely successful um, as a CFO. And and I don't I don't remember the terminology, but but um, putting some companies up as IPOs. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Initial public offerings. Yeah. And putting them out in the public. And then suddenly they're overnight huge companies and you're making a ton of money and you're literally building a castle for yourselves, driving mm-hmm. incredible cars. You look very successful on the outside, um, but you're pretty unhappy on the inside, both of you. And yet people would look at you and think, man, they got it going on. They got that beautiful home, those nice cars, those cute kids, you know, all of it. But it, it, it wasn't good at all. You had a conversion experience uh, in the Savoy Hotel in um, London, and but it was not one that you wanted to share with your wife because you were afraid what would happen. So let's take it up from there. You, you were in a horrible place, and then suddenly you knew you needed God and it was an overnight experience where you felt his wave coming across you in a hotel. So take us from there, what your response was after that. Okay. Well, we got back from the initial public offering. It was a very successful IPO and uh, we went back and had a big party with the employees in downtown Seattle and I got drunk as I usually did. And Trish- This was after you mm-hmm. found God. Absolutely. And then Trish, Trish um, drove home and after that, I'd love to tell you that life got great, but Um, It really didn't. I felt a joy in my heart and understanding of God. But what was more profound for me is I I had a great sense of how broken I really was. I had a sense of really what a sinner I was. And I think it was only through my conversion experience that it started becoming very profound about what a holy, majestic God that we served and how broken I really was in my early 40s. Um, Do you think, I'm going to interrupt you. Do you think that's an American problem? And you can both weigh in on this or a Western culture problem. I think we've gotten to a place of it's all good and tolerance so that everything becomes acceptable. And people, I think, particularly in Western culture, don't feel a need to recognize their bad ways as sin. They would never call themselves sinner. Many people. I didn't. Exactly right. I agree with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're a pastor now. What do you think of that? Is it, uh, is it really hard in our culture to say, I, I sinned last night, or I'm a sinner, or doing this is wrong? And, I mean, It's very hard. Uh, you know, Augustine said that pride is the pregnant mother that gives birth to all sin. And one of the, thing, one of the things about American culture is we're very prideful. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a hard time acknowledging our own brokenness, acknowledging where we are in life. I mean, I was there. I, understood, I understand totally. And at the same time, the first part of healing and really coming to God is repenting 
and recognizing our own brokenness so that we can move forward. And brokenness is a good word. Thank you for bringing it up because folks, if you're out there and any of you are at that point where you just don't feel like a sinner, brokenness is a better term because I think people can identify with that more. It, it, it feels less scarlet letterish. It's just, wow, I'm broken, you know, Absolutely. a little easier to admit that. So go ahead and continue. So, uh, my th- my view of life was changing, um, and it started changing dramatically, and this is in 2006. By 2007, as I got fired as a CFO, and I got uh, for a variety of reasons why, but one of them, I was just seeing the world differently, and where our, we were shutting plants down, and I was the one telling employees that, you know, you're losing your job, and they'd cry, and I'd say, too bad. And now, now I, I really did care about them. I, care about, I cared about their family, and as my heart had, had was softening more and more, I was changing. And... Uh, one thing I would, t- would tell you is I love ministering to businessmen now because you don't have to lose your job as a businessman. You just, you just have to understand that you're becoming a different person. You can build the kingdom. You can be in the world as a businessman. I mean, in my case, God had a different plan. So, so I, he allowed you to lose your job. So here you are becoming a believer. You haven't even told your wife. Why didn't you tell your wife? I was afraid of what, what might happen. Uh, I was actually afraid of what actually what did happen in many ways, which is I realized how again how broken I was, and then started making decisions based on fear and other things. And so we invested all of our money. I did in businesses. Business went under. Um, I, I realized I couldn't get sober, and so um, a, a lot of these things were happening. And you know the irony of all that is as as all this brokenness was taking place, um, life started getting better and better, even through the suffering. And, and that's one of the things I think that is amazing about becoming a Christian in, our, in a Christian worldview is even during the suffering as things started to crumble before us, there was a recognition that God was actually at work in a lot of this. Now, it didn't seem like it at the time, but we ended up losing all of our money. Um, I ended up losing my job and, 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 at the same t- and then realized that my one big idol, which was booze, uh, I had to overcome. It'd be, so. And, 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 yeah, and I want to hear that, but I, I just am going back to Trish was praying for you to be saved by God, and she said she knew if you'd be saved by God that all the other stuff would get better, i.e. the overeating, the drinking too much, the idol of booze, the being gone all the time, the overworking, all of that. But you're saying it wasn't, it, you had an overnight conversion experience, but it didn't make you just want to give up the booze right away. So, so were you, I mean, you weren't even sure he was a so believer I, yet had no idea after his conversion experience and my first memory that um god had broken through was uh and i remember exactly where we were we were in the car together and all of a sudden um Stu turns to me and he says trish my heart is softening and i just wanted to break down <laughs> i knew i knew that um god was changing him yeah. and that he was saving him yeah it was yeah. a big, big moment in my life. But like Stu said, there was a lot of work in both of us. I mean, in all people, there's a lot of work to be done yeah. but since we're talking about Stu. But there were just things, you know, the, the drinking and, and the, um, the eating and the greed and all those things. And God just had to shake his and slash ours when you're married kingdom yeah. and um, take us both down. And uh through that, though, there was refinement and, um, you know, really seeing that all things do work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his good, his purpose. So, Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, when we come back, I want to talk about um, 
that initial joy you must have felt. Like you must have felt like you practically could leap out of the car. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, then there was all this work to be done. A lot of work. And we're going to talk about that shaking and the work that was done and where you're, what you're doing now and how you can help people now when we return with the Channel Mom Show right here on KLVZ. Hi, this is Jenny, and I want to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Walters. She's a mom to three kids, so she understands that when you buy a home, you want a place where your family can build beautiful memories. As a real estate broker, Michelle can help you find the place you love coming home to, the right home at the best price. Whether you want to buy or sell, start your home search with Michelle Walters at SuburbanDenverProperties.com. You can also find Michelle's weekly blog, The Thinking Mom, on ChannelMom.com. These days, couples will work for just about anything, from communication Hello. to companionship, from fun Whee! to love, from passion <laughs> and purpose to good old intimacy. <sighs> what are you willing to work for? For a better marriage, come to a relationship workshop sponsored by the Colorado Healthy Marriage Project. To learn more, visit marydashwell.org or call 720-488-8888 because relationship education works. Funding provided by U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, ACF Grant 90, FE 51. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions are those of the author. Welcome back to Channel Mom. Shelly, I wish that you would be quiet because you're saying way too much on today's show. I know. I just didn't. I'm tired of being interrupting everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, you do have a question, which I want you to ask coming up, but I did promise we'd get to something else. But but I want to hear your question because it relates to what Stu was talking about before we went to the break. Um, you kind of wanted to know about, I'm not going to tell you. Don't you remember? <laughs> Okay, this is why I never let her talk because she doesn't remember what she was going to say. <laughs> I'll have another one though. Okay, okay, good. She has another one. What, what Shelly was going to talk about was withdrawals and the actual physical pain. Like, there's God. It's like, okay, I've given my life to you. Hello, why can't I just physically be okay? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, because there's still a flesh issue. Yeah. Um, so I want to get to that in just a second. But first, we're finishing the fact that, that he said to Trish, what must be every woman or man's dream who is married to an unbeliever, um, he said... I, I'm starting to believe, essentially. He said, my heart is softening. Yeah. I mean, that must have been like you went home and writ- wrote it down on the calendar day. I mean, what, what was the initial thought? And then what was the thought after that initial thought? The initial thought was, um, okay, keep it together. Because I wanted to do the Snoopy dance. Of course, I was in a car. But, yeah. And then I thought he would have been like, okay, Trish, settle down. Yeah. And, yeah. But inside, I was, I'm raising my hands because you guys can't see me. But yeah. <laughs> I was... Um, I, I was so excited, and um, and actually every day since then, um, and all of the huge changes that have happened in my beautiful husband, and now I have the world's greatest husband ever. Yeah, um, I've asked God to never let me grow complacent over the miracles that yeah. He has done in Him and in our marriage. Yeah, yeah. You probably thought you were probably had days you thought it was not possible. Oh my gosh, I and Stu will agree with this. Um, we didn't like each other at all, and I felt like we had nothing in common. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of tongue biting. I would sit in the evenings and just bite my tongue because if I, I felt like if I spoke that we would argue again, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. Well, praise God though. So so let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this relates to Shelley's question. You decided that you believed in Christ and you had an overnight conversion experience, but then you recognized that you wanted to get clean and stop drinking alcohol, but it was much more of a demon in your life and, and it was an idol essentially. Um, and you couldn't do it. So talk about withdrawal and what happened. Sure. 
Well, I, I got baptized at church, and, and after the baptism, um, it became very clear to me that I had things in my life that were just completely overrunning me. And I happened to read a few things, like by the Puritans, saying you only have one spot in your heart for, for God, and you think that t- that's taking that spot is pushing, mm-hmm. pushing the Lord out. And it was very clear to me that um, as much as I thought that I was in control of my drinking, I really wasn't. And it got it actually got worse and worse. It didn't get better. And I real and, and I but I realized in my own reading of the Bible, for instance, in Romans seven, where it said, you know, our souls regenerate and yet we're we're still I'm still a slave to the flesh. What a wretched man am I? And that's how I felt. So it got to a point where Trish went on vacation. I went on a big long drinking bender and she got back and I just looked at her and said, This has got this has got to stop and I I realized and I would encourage anybody out there that's in this position, I couldn't I just couldn't do it by myself. Okay. Um, and so I went to rehab, and I went to in-house rehab for 28 days. My dad and my, my wife, beautiful wife, took me, and I went to rehab in Seattle. And, and um, we have great stories about, about that, but I was reading my Bible in, in rehab, and it was getting, I realized that this was where I needed to be, and then Trish would come over on family days. And uh, I used to have people come up to me and say, you're reading your Bible. And I said, yes, I am. And this is while I'm in rehab. And it's like, can you tell me about this Jesus guy? And so I would talk. So Trish would come over at rehab. And I told her, I said, listen, you know, they're, they're, this, is, this is ripe in here for, for evangelism. So, but they won't let me have Bibles in here because this was a secular rehab. So I told her, I said, when you come over, we need to, you need to bring your Bible. So we would smuggle Bibles into the rehab. Uh, <laughs> so that's a true story. Yeah. But that's, it's like, uh, I mean, that's, yeah. people need Bibles in jails and in rehab. Uh, I mean, right. come on. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So I, I want to, what was your question, Shelly? You had a question for them, you said. You had a new question. Do I have to remind you again? I know. I don't really know what it is. I would say just keep telling your story because what would you say to someone who's there now? Well, I, oh yeah. Th- so I would say, you know, my understanding now of hu- humanity is really changed as after b- becoming a Christian, and then getting into theological studies and seminary and so forth. And that's that, you know, even though we we may be regenerate in the soul, which we are, and we can be- believe, it doesn't it doesn't mean that life necessarily gets gets great all the time, and that we don't struggle with the flesh. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know repentance and coming to faith and repentance and and all that is a very important part of. Of the Christian life, but we, but even as Christians, it doesn't get life doesn't get perfect. No. Uh, but how we deal with it then changes. And I, I actually learned in my own recovery, and as I've moved on and become a pastor, that um, recovery in many ways is just a Christian lifestyle. It's all about just kind of admitting where we are, and then it's about um, a, a, you know making amends, and it's about taking personal inventory, and then it's about our own spiritual practices. And a lot of this we call it recovery, but what it, what it really is is really living a Christian life. Well, did you doubt your faith? Did you doubt your conversion? Because you had the continued ad- addiction. Oh, good point. That's a great question. I really didn't. Uh, I I felt d- deeply about God's sovereign sovereignty, and this is for me. It's not that I haven't gone through ups and downs in my own walk, but I felt God at all times, even when during times of suffering. I sensed that my suffering was leading somewhere, and this is somewhere I think Americans really can really get their hands around this a little bit more. Is sometimes we suffer, and God's hand is in that. We see it in Job, and we see it in other areas in the Bible, and I really felt like God's hand was in my suffering. And I'm very thankful that God showed me that. I have a great sense of God's sovereignty in that. I'm sure it's why I do what I do today, mm-hmm. is I really sense that God was at work in all those matters, mm-hmm. making something better. Yeah, something beautiful is born out of it. It's in the suffering. It, you can't see that beautiful gift, but something beautiful is born out of it. I want to make sure we get to a couple of things. Um, I want people to understand the depth of your suffering, and I want to talk a little bit about Trisha's heart to help 
women who are in her position and folks that are considering divorce or who are divorced. She has a real heart for folks like that because of what she's been through. But um, I, I want you to explain to folks uh, how how it, what that hump is when when anybody out there in America that is dealing with uh, an issue that is addiction or or they or or financial struggle or um idols in their life where all the big stuff all the impressive stuff means more to them than their family or god um where they just can't get over that thing and in your case it was booze and other idols wanting to be the big guy with a big castle and folks you can understand he was a multimillionaire and he was unhappy and he was a wreck and and an alcoholic and eating too much and all this and he had to do something what is the getting over the hump thing? And I also want you to weave in the fact that you had a few more crises. You had a relapse. You had a you had a major company like legal battle. Just can you weave that into that in a couple minutes? Sure. Well, we have uh, about five minutes left, so I want to make sure we get to both of those things. Yeah. I, um, so I did. I, I got out of rehab, and then I went through a short period of time where I drank again. I relapsed, and and it, it was in that the deepest and darkest time. I can tell you that was the deepest despair I felt. Um, Trish was so beautiful. She had a better sense of addiction, and, sh- and Trish couldn't actually really counsel a lot of women or men on this. I actually was sitting on the ed- edge of, the, of my bed at one point, and Trish had her arm around me and said, you know, this is going to kill you. And I said, good, I'm, I'm ready for that. And now you know you're at the deepest part of despair when you really don't care whether it, kill- yeah. it kills you or not. But it, but it was d- during the, that, and then we, I did. I put all of our money in a business. The business went bankrupt in 2008. And so it was all, all gone. And at the same time, while I was reading, for instance, Ecclesiastes, I would read, is, and this is where our faith and our walk with Christ become so important, vanity of vanities. It's all vanities. It's all just vapor in the wind. So, so I, I just realized that God was breaking. And then as I was reading the Bible, I would read like Hebrews 12, 27, he will shake what is shakable to leave what is unshakable to remain. So again, as all these things were happening, as I started coming out the other end and Trish was supporting me, I realized God's hand was, was in this and, and I was being liberated and mm-hmm. the idols were being broken mm-hmm. down. And I would read stories about Paul. I'd read stories about Peter. Um, denying uh, denying Christ. I'd read about Paul murdering. I'd read about G, uh, David in the Old Testament um, and yeah. his adultery and his struggles. And I realized I was no different than many of than in any of these people. And what I realized then is it was actually in the brokenness of David and Paul and Peter yeah. that God actually worked. And that's exactly why, where I am today. It was through that support and reading God's Word and my own recovery and all the people around me and a loving wife that I came out the other end with a deep and meaningful understanding of God and God's attributes. But it was very hard and it took me, it took a, a deep, a deep suffering to get there. Sure. But that brokenness is worth it. I've been there. And it what it does, it feels like brokenness, but really it's opening the door to eternity of, of goodness. You know, and, and if you get stuck in the brokenness or before the brokenness, you don't get all that. And so people buy into the fact that they're going to get joy on something here. It's, if I just drink a little more, if I just eat a little more, if I just make a little more money, it's like, no, 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 no. You need to be set free of all that. So in about two minutes left, Trish, and then I want to make sure if people know how to get a hold of you. What is your heart now that you've watched your husband go through this addiction and be set free and find God? What is your heart for other people? How do you want to help people? Well, God definitely pressed upon me that um, in addition to the work that I do for Caleb, that in my, um, you know, outside of work time that I can have my own ministry. Mm-hmm. And so um, he, he tends to put women in my path um, mm-hmm. that 
are in my former shoes, whether they're um, in an unequally yoked situation and they're miserable in that respect, or their um, husband struggles with some form of addiction, and sometimes it's both of those things, mm -hmm. like was the case in my life. And so I, God puts these women in my path, and um, he has asked me to, to encourage them, to minister to them, and, um, and talk to them about the importance of marriage and that it is a covenant and that God is um, concerned more with our holiness than our happiness. And if you are obedient to him, the happiness will eventually come. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you do, you have a big heart for that. And I, and I remember when I sat with you, I thought, Megan, she really has a heart for this. Women have to come to her who need this help mm -hmm. because you're there. I want folks to know how to get hold of you because you have an incredible story and you can be a huge encouragement to people in pain. So tell folks mm -hmm. how they get hold of so you. So email me, Stu, S-T-U at L2today.com. Stu at L2today.com. L2 in Denver is your church. You're so the executive pastor there. That's awesome. And Trish. And my email is Trish at Love. Air one, that's the number one dot com. Okay. And and women can certainly get a hold of you and get Absolutely. help for what you talked about. God bless you guys. I, I pray your ministry will grow and grow and that you'll be a blessing to people who are hurting who need to get over that hump that you so boldly got over. That's awesome. So thanks for being on Channel Mom. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, coming up, we'll tell you what we uh, are gonna do next week. It's actually very relevant for summertime and is gonna help a lot of moms struggling with their summer. <laughs> when we return with Channel Mom. If you are a mom who wants your kids to grow up and love going to the dentist, then I have to tell you about Pediatric Dental Group of Colorado. As a one-time patient myself and now the mother of patients, I know firsthand they understand the unique needs of children, especially when it comes to the subject of dentistry. Dr. Strange and Dr. Cathers not only care about making the dental visit fun and rewarding, they also strive to help children learn to be good dental patients. They do this by coaching the child and the parent, encouraging good oral health care, and providing high-quality dental treatment. This is accomplished in a fun and child-friendly atmosphere. All of the pediatric dentists and orthodontists have two years of additional training beyond dental school. They are board certified and specialized in the dental care of infants, children, and young adults. The dental team is uniquely qualified to take care of your child during their dental visit. The Pediatric Dental Group is proud to have locations in Arvada, Wheat Ridge, Lakewood, Lafayette, and Evergreen. You have to find out more, and you can do so at pediatricdentalgroupco.com. These days, couples will work for just about anything, from communication Hello? to companionship, from fun Whee! to love, from passion Mwah! and purpose to good old intimacy. <sighs> What are you willing to work for? For a better marriage, come to a relationship workshop sponsored by the Colorado Healthy Marriage Project. To learn more, visit mary-well.org or call 720-488-8888 because relationship education works. Funding provided by U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, ACF Grant 90, FE 51. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions are those of the author. Okay, I think it's going to be good. We're going to have Michelle Cox on next week the author of a novel called Just 18 Summers by uh, Renee Good... Here we go again with names. Gooderidge and Michelle Cox, based on a screenplay by uh, a number of other people. But I, it, it's going to talk about how do we treasure the summers we have with our kids. Not stress out about them, but live them real in, in a real way with our children. I, I think it's going to be... I think a lot of moms stress about summer. I, I want to help you treasure them, but not freak out about them coming up next week on Channel Mom. In the meantime, Mom, if you're slipping over banana peels or cleaning up somebody's 
vomit or, or dealing with uh, a teenage driver, God bless you. I know it takes a lot of sacrifice. I appreciate you trying to raise your children well. It really does make our world a better place. Have a beautiful weekend. Thanks for listening to Channel Mom with Jenny Dean Schmidt. Find podcasts, clips, blogs, and contact information at channelmom.com.